Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. You can subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues or leave comments for us. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hi, this is Gihan and it's Thursday the 20th of December 2007. Hi Chris, how are you going? I'm well, thanks Gihan and for those paying attention it's close to Christmas. It is and it's also another momentous occasion for you last week so happy birthday. Thank you, Gihan. Yes, uh, 30 years old yet again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the 10th anniversary of your 30th birthday. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. But you're right, it's close to Christmas, and we thought we'd make this, this week's podcast about Christmas shopping online. Absolutely. Yes, um, for those of us who are too lazy to actually drag ourselves out of our houses, the internet provides us with a great way of um, going shopping. Yes, that's right. Now, I haven't done any online shopping for gifts this year, Chris, but I know you have. That's right. I, well, for gifts, for gifts, I don't know that I've done online shopping for gifts as such. Actually, I have. You're right. How did you know that, Gihan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm expecting it under my Christmas tree on Tuesday morning. Ah, uh, right. Yes. Okay. Well, you're in for a big surprise then. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's expectation. That's right. Yes, I did. Uh, one of the great things about um, uh, the internet is that the, the gifts that I did happen to purchase online were uh, from a uh, particular photograph vendor, which uh, allowed me to upload some um, images of our cute daughter Lauren and uh, turn them into gifts for family and friends. So, um, yeah, that is the online shopping that I have done, which was a very uh, pleasant and rewarding experience. But um, more recently, uh, a few weeks back, I was I was burned doing some, not, not uh, Christmas shopping, but doing some shopping on eBay. Oh, yes? Yes, I, um, yeah, I was looking for a storage system for, um, for uh, my CD collection. And uh, I purchased one previously but filled that up and was looking for another and came across the same product through a diff- different vendor and uh, bid, uh, won, the, won the auction, uh, paid by direct deposit to a bank account and the next thing I knew, uh, that vendor had, been, had disappeared from eBay and uh, no product ever turned up. Okay, okay, so she lost the money. Yes, I did, yeah. Um, yeah, so I made two big mistakes. Uh, I should have been wary to it, obviously, because, and it's something we've mentioned in the past in our eBay podcast, was that uh, this particular vendor had uh, a fairly low rating. They only had two, right. they only had two um, positive recommendations. They had a 100% rating in, in, a, in that they only had two ratings, both of which were positive, as they'd only been on the eBay system for a short period. And the second second thing that should have flagged was that they weren't offering payment through PayPal. If you uh, use PayPal on eBay, then you're, you've, you get some protection in that if the goods aren't, uh, aren't delivered, as described, or at all, then uh, you're covered up to a certain amount by PayPal. So those two things, the, the, the low rating and the lack of PayPal, uh, PayPal choice, should have um, sent warning bells uh, ringing in my head, but unfortunately they didn't, so I paid the price. So would you say, Chris, that in the future you'd actually do you'd actually insist on both those things. So one is somebody who's had a reasonable amount of history on eBay. So in other words, other people have verified them for you rather than you being the guinea pig who um, loses out and then gives them a bad rating. And secondly, that you'd insist on only, only um, vendors or sellers who accept PayPal payments. Absolutely. That's exactly okay. right. 
so uh, yeah, the, the reputation, that, um, the, the eBay reputation, some high ratings, um, very small number of negatives, if, if any at all, and uh, then the protection that um, purchasing through eBay's PayPal system offers you as well. Mm, and I guess it's, uh, this extends beyond eBay as well, doesn't it? It's not, we're not just talking about eBay, like shopping on eBay, but we're talking about shopping in general on the Internet. Precisely, that's right. If you, there are many, many vendors out there. Um, another way of shopping online that uh, some people have used in the past, I've done it a few times, is through what are called shopping comparison engines, which bring together price comparisons on, on products from all uh, a great many vendors all the way across the internet, many of whom you've never heard of in the, in the past at all. So, so they they may well be uh, a scam artist as well. So, the, a reputation going on their reputation is an important thing to use when using comparison engines. I think that's one of the things that's always been the case with the internet. That uh, in real life, you can walk up to a shop and you get some idea of their reputation and their standing by just having a look at the shop. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to rip you off, but it gives you some indication. And it, it's a lot harder when you're just going to a website. Um, there are probably some things that you look for on a website that will, that will enhance your... Um, that would reassure you about their reputation. That's right. So what sorts of things do you look for, Gihan, when, uh, when doing that sort of online shopping? Yeah, look, there's, there's been a lot, a lot of research about that. And in fact, I usually, um, in my consulting, I usually advise people who are at the other end of the on the other side of the transaction. So they're the people who are setting up online shops. So the sort of things that you do, are, uh, things that you look for are things like a phone number that you can call. It, mean, it may mean that you never call the number, but you know there is a number that you can call. And if you're in any doubt, you actually call them and make sure that somebody does answer the phone. Um, so that's one thing to look for. Um, even something as simple as a postal address is useful because it it gives you some indication that they actually have a physical presence as, as well. Even if they don't have a, uh, an actual retail store, they still have a postal address on there. Um, the things you can gauge by reading the content on the site. So you can look at what, um, how well the site's been constructed. Uh, if it looks like it's, uh, there's a lot of hype and uh, maybe not even, not even well constructed, if it doesn't look professional, then you just have doubts about it. It doesn't mean that it's not professional, but if they haven't invested the money in their, in their virtual shop front, then you wonder about how serious they are about taking online payments. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also look for just things that you that are not provable but give you some idea of reliability. For example, they if they have a stated refund policy or or some sort of guarantee. So some will have a guarantee that says money back if you return within 30 days. Um, others will have some. It doesn't have to be as strong as that, but some form of refund policy. And if if you see that they've taken the trouble to actually state it. It gives you some idea that they're actually going to follow through with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can I can echo that in the, the things that I've sold through eBay, as well as uh, the Iron Siamese book that uh, I sell. I offer a hundred percent money back guarantee on that. And similarly, when just selling odds and ends through eBay, similarly, just a, a no quibbles, one hundred percent money back guarantee. I think gives people confidence when making a purchase from you, especially if you're someone like me that they that isn't a professional retailer, it's just someone uh, that they're buying things from through eBay that they don't know. That, that's right. 
and you know if they don't have their own website and if there are if they are just an amateur who's selling selling through some other service then uh, the thing I would look for is is the fact that they're selling through something like eBay rather than just setting up their own website, um, which may be a very amateurish site. If you know that you're buying through eBay, well, eBay has some sort of protections in place as well. Mm-hmm. Things like the rating system, um, things like other customers' comments about them. Yep. So those sort of things are, are things you look for. There's, there's other one, um, one other really important thing, Chris, is that um, I would look for people who take credit card payments. Right. Um, because there's a, there's a big mis- misconception about the way that your credit, credit card security works. And uh, I think you and I have both, in the past, had people use our credit card fraudulently. That's right. We've talked about this um, offline, haven't we? That's right. That's right. It's happened to me a couple of times. But the, the really the important thing to understand, is, especially as we're talking about this from the consumer side, is that as a consumer, you're pretty much 100% protected against credit card fraud, provided that you do the right thing. And the right thing is that you check your credit card statement every month or every three months when it arrives, go through it and report any transactions that you'd like to dispute. Indeed. I mean, one should do that as a matter of course. Um, in the couple of cases that uh, my credit card's been used fraudulently, in one case I picked that up by uh, examining my statement. But in, in actually in two other cases, uh, my bank contacted me and queried whether I'd made a particular transaction mm. that they considered and as it turned out, those transactions were fraudulent. So, yes, the, the banks do check, do flag certain um, certain transactions and contact you, but some get past the bank, and so you must check your statement, and if you notify your bank, then you're covered. And that's right. In my, in my two cases, both of them were people booking airline tickets, um, and they weren't me, <laughs> but uh, somebody else was booking airline tickets using my credit card. Uh, and they may have even booked them online, but the, f- the point is that they may, they may not have got my credit card number online. They could have got it from some restaurant that I went to and yeah. gave my credit card or the service station or a supermarket. They have all the information they need if they were going to commit fraud. But I'm protected as long as I report that. And uh, as soon as I did, in fact, with my bank, I'm not sure whether every bank does this, but with my bank, they put the money back, in, back into my account immediately, uh, but with a note saying that they're, they're currently investigating this and they might take it out again later if they found out that it actually was me. Um, but actually, th- there was no penalty for me. I didn't have to pay extra interest. I didn't even have to worry about um, reaching my limits because of this extra transaction. It was very simple from, from my side as a consumer. And I, I really think that's important for people using the Internet to understand that you should put in all the checks, you should look for um, a seller's reputation, you should look for uh, evidence that they're likely to be reputable, but at the end of the day, even if they're not, chances are that you're going to be protected by your bank and your credit card company. Right, right. So you're saying that um, perhaps there's some element of paranoia that some people hold with regard to shopping online because they feel that the protections that they have when using their credit card uh, at a bricks-and-mortar shop um, in some way don't extend to them online, but that doesn't happen to be the case. Yes, and also that uh, there, there definitely is that people are more scared of doing transactions online than they should be, especially with credit cards, and also they have a false sense of security if they think that they are not using a credit card online, you think you're protected, and in yeah. fact you're not. That's right. If you use a credit card anywhere, that vendor has got your number, expiry date, and if you're there, they've got your signature as well. They've got everything they require to, to use it fraudulently if they choose to. And I think that's why the credit card companies uh, so strongly favour the consumer rather than the seller. Yes. 
because if they if it was any any other way, then the consumers would rapidly lose confidence in the whole credit card system if they were to blame for somebody else using their number. Yep, absolutely. So, so the the lesson so far then are uh, uh, reputation, whether you're a buyer or a seller, making sure that you uh, look after your own reputation as a seller and making sure that you uh, examine and look into the reputation of whoever you're buying from. And then some vigilance when it comes to things like credit card transactions, making sure that you're uh, tracking down, making sure that you examine your, your statement and um, take into account uh, or account for each of the transactions that appear on it. Yes, that's right. That's right. And then don't be afraid to use a credit card online. Mm. Um, now, I also think that you've just got to be careful where, where you use it, I mean, geographically. So you might be quite happy dealing with somebody locally, um, but if you deal with somebody internationally, then you've just got to expect that things are going to take longer. So if you're, if you're getting physical goods shipped to you, you know, we're doing this, uh, we're doing this podcast, Chris, five days before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's good. You're going to, if you're going to get Christmas presents for someone, you're expecting them by Christmas Day, chances are you're not going to get it even with somebody local. Absolutely, that's right. Indeed, on the radio today, I heard uh, an announcement from Australia Post saying that pretty much today's the day. If you want to make sure it's um, delivered from Australia to some other Australian address, then it has to be in today's post. Otherwise, it's not going to be guaranteed to arrive before Christmas Day. That's right. So you've just got to have realistic expectations around that, about that, especially when it's around a, around a big time like Christmas, where lots of people are going to be sending stuff through the mail and things are going to take, a, take some time. So just be realistic that if you order something, it's going to take a little bit longer at this time of the year. The, the flip side of that, Kihan, is uh, some of the advantages that buying online offers in that regard, in so much as um, my brother and uh, many of my other relatives are in the UK, and so uh, in the past, and this year as well, um, by purchasing online from UK stores, I can get them to my relatives the next day. Whereas if I was buying from an Australian store and asking them to deliver it all the, all the way to the UK, then it's going to be up to 10 working days before uh, they see it. You're right. You're right. That's a, a huge advantage of being able to shop online. Uh, one of my clients who used to run a pub in Sydney, he used to make this work very well because he had, he was, um, his pub was in Bondi Junction, which is close to Bondi, and there were a lot of backpackers who used to come in. And uh, he advertised the fact that to the backpackers and on his website, the fact that their family could buy them beer vouchers. <laughs> so they're traveling around the world. Their family on their birthday would like to do something special for them. Why not buy them a beer or a few beers or a round of beers at Billy the Pig's pub in Bondi Junction, clever. knowing that they were going to be in Sydney. And so he actually took advantage of that fact, which it was very clever. And he um, found that lots of people would do that just because he put the idea in their head and they thought, great, this is a way that we can send a gift to Chris without having to actually send it to him. Right, great. Um, So, Chris, like you've done quite a lot of shopping online, uh, and I would say that despite the fact that you had one bad experience with eBay here, would you say that most of it, like 99% of the experiences have been positive? Because that's certainly been the case with me. Yes, certainly. Even even narrowing that context to eBay alone, um, it's been overwhelmingly positive, 99%. I think it's just that one transaction that... Uh, was you know my my mistake really it was it was a fraudulent operator and it was my mistake and then a couple of others that were genuine mistakes um, and then broadening the context to just shopping online uh, again you know no um, no hassles whatsoever 
and I've had that actually from um, even even as a seller. So even though I said the merchant has very little protection if somebody disputes a transaction, uh-huh. I've never had anyone dispute a transaction. Uh, now that doesn't mean that every seller is in the same situation. I know there are organisations like Telstra Big Pond, for example, who actually suffer a lot of credit card fraud. Right. Because somebody will steal a bunch of credit card numbers use them for one month's internet access as soon as Telstra tries to build them uh, or as, as soon as the real owner of the credit card complains they'll shut down a, Telstra will shut down that account but they won't get the money back and the fraudster will just start off with another one right so there's some businesses that do suffer a lot of credit card fraud but in, in most cases um, I think people are they they think the fraud is much bigger than it actually is sure. particularly compared to the amount of online trading that's happening at the moment yeah that's interesting. Have you um, have you heard any recent statistics in terms of uh, the amount of online shopping versus bricks and mortar and that sort of thing? Um, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't looked recently to see what the percentages are. I, I assume they've been rising rapidly in the last couple of years. That's right. I mean, around the dot-com boom, it was the sort of statistic that was often you know, headline material and, and significant numbers back way back then, so several years down the track, I can imagine that uh, it's increasing even more. That's right, and I, I think there's, there's two things to, to understand about that, because one is that there are a lot more people who are now very familiar with the internet. Mm. So my little four-year-old nephew and two-year-old niece uh, can use the computer, and they can go to websites. So they're growing up with the internet as being part of their lives. Yeah. By the same token, there's a whole bunch of people who are just joining it recently. So we might think there are a lot of people online, and there are, but there are also a lot of people who aren't online who are just getting online and who have to go through this whole education process, this whole reassurance process, um, the whole safety and security issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and when it comes to encouragement, again, that the message, the message that we've been giving is one of encouragement in terms of uh, the perhaps heightened level of paranoia, uh, but also the in- increased reach that you have versus uh, going down to your local shopping centre and the limited range and the lim- limited range of shops and the limited range of products that the shops might carry versus what the, the almost limitless range of things that you can purchase online. Give yes. a credit card and uh, an internet connection. That's right, that's right. And you know, despite the fact that I, I think there is too much paranoia, as you put it, I also think that sometimes there's not enough. In some cases, people are too willing to give out private or confidential information without thinking about it. And it's not necessarily when they go online to buy, because that's the thing we've covered, but they might get an email from supposedly from eBay or from PayPal or from supposedly from the bank asking them to re-enter their account details and password. And that sort of fraud does happen, and people do fall for that. Right, so that's the the phenomenon uh, known as phishing. Phishing, that's right, which we talked about before. Yeah. Um, but that still happens. It's still prevalent, and um, presumably it still captures some, some people do fall for it. So that is one thing to be careful about. Um, and I guess the simple way, to, the simple way, as we discussed in an earlier podcast, Chris, is just be careful. In other words, when somebody sends you an email asking you for confidential information, generally don't reply to it yeah. or don't respond to it. And I think that's a simple thing to do is be overcautious in that respect, um, but you don't have to be too cautious when buying online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't really have a lot of time to talk about the, the, those shopping comparison things that you, that you mentioned, Chris, but I would be interested in just knowing your experiences with them briefly. Right, yes. Yeah. So um, as, as I just mentioned, there's this 
vast um, range of things that you can purchase online, but you have to know where they're available. And the same thing can be available at a great many outlets, online outlets. So how do you find how do you find it in the first place, and how do you find the best bargain, uh, the best price for that that item? And there are websites that are set up to do just that. They're called shopping comparison engines. Uh, perhaps the most famous of those is frugal.com, which is a Google property. Um, so yes, you simply go to frugal.com or one of the other ones like shopping.com. I think another one's called shopzilla.com, yeah. mysimon.com. And once you get there, you can either browse through categories to find the product that you're interested in, or you can just type in the name and a few of the details of the product and then it will list uh, a whole lot of prices and a whole lot of online retailers of that product. And you can rank them according to whether they're geographically close to you, whether their price is uh, good value. And some of them also offer a, ra uh, a ratings and a reputation system that they run independent of, um, independent of those vendors. They, they have anyone who has shopped through that comparison engine. They um, allow you to add ratings to the particular vendor. And I think that that concept is going to become more and more important in the next couple of years because there's, there is much more information available on the internet. So it's no longer a case that you can go and visit every possible online store to find out what the best option is. It's, it's no longer practical to do that. So there'll be more and more of these comparison engines. In fact, I think we should do a show on that sometime in the future, Chris. Okay, yep. Um, I use one. In fact, now, now that you mentioned those, I use one for shopping for books. There's one called ABE Books, the Advanced okay. Book Exchange, which is actually a collection, like a cooperative, of second-hand bookshops around the world. Yep. So I can look for a title and, as you say, the same sort of things. I can sort by price, I can sort by where the vendor is. So if I don't mind it, it taking a long time to get to me, I might choose somebody in the UK or in the US um, and I'm, if I'm willing to pay the postage. Whereas if I'm looking for something um, that I'd like urgently, then I'll look for an Australian vendor. Right. I can look for the, the standard of the books in, and it's again, it's like this comparison engines, but for bookshops. Limited to books, that's right. Yeah, and I think it's going to be much more popular in the future. Yes, I think, as, as you say, with the burgeoning number of online retailers, then um, we need search engines that focus on particular niches, products in general, and um, individual types of products like books, as you've mentioned with ABE books. Mm. Yeah, okay, yes, that could be a future podcast. We've come to the end of our time for today and for this year. Oh. It's been fun. We're certainly going to continue next year. Absolutely. And uh, maybe early in, sometime in January, we should we should have some sort of predictions. Perhaps some predictions for what's going to be big in 2008. Excellent. That will be fun. It will be indeed. <laughs> How wrong can we be, podcast? That's right. <laughs> well, best wishes to you and to Cherie and to Lauren for Christmas. Please. Thank you, Gihan. Our best wishes to you too. Yes, I'm sure we'll catch up in person for once. Um, over the Christmas period Indeed. and we'll be back on the podcast in 2008 yes and I think we should extend uh, best wishes to our great many listeners here absolutely absolutely looking forward to having you all back on board again next year absolutely thanks Chris bye Gihan bye for now you've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast you can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast that's G-I-H-A-N P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time. Music.